Welcome to the Inquisitive Tourist. My name is Nate Ralph and thank you for joining me. For those of you already listening, a warm welcome back. And if this is your first episode, welcome to the ever-growing community of listeners all over the world. Now, it's been a bit of a a hiatus. It's been something like three months. So I do apologise to all of my regular listeners asking where I've got to. Life has just been pretty crazy. But uh, I'm back now and hopefully all going well. I'll be able to put out some episodes a little bit more regularly. So it's now in 81 countries, which is fantastic. And uh, again, please spread the word if you can. If you could leave us a review on the podcast platform you use, I would really appreciate it as that's how the show's uh, algorithm helps out and uh, obviously then it appears to more people in their feed. If you could share the episode today with just one friend, it would be greatly appreciated. Now, Morocco is a cultural hub with many unique aspects, revered by travellers from all over the world. My guest today hails from the small village of Telouet, and since 2016, along with his wife, they started the Destination Morocco Tour Company. His knowledge and passion about the place is apparently awesome, so I can't wait to meet him. His name is Astin El Mustakim. Astin, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Nate, for the well. Uh, welcome, and I really, really appreciate the opportunity, and I'm super excited to be here. Thank you for having me today. That's very kind of you, and I'm equally excited to uh, to talk to you. I should say, Ahlan Bika, Ahlan Bika. Shukran, shukran. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thank you so much for, for taking the time. So where, where are you speaking to us from today? Today, I am in Houston, Texas. So Fantastic. Amazing. Super hot day there probably, right, isn't it? It is. It is, yes. It's still hot and humid, oh, unfortunately. Yeah. Like 35 degrees or even more? Um, well, it's it's actually, I would say it's less than 35, but the uh, the humidity make, makes it seem like it's 42, 44. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, goodness me. Talking of temperature, um, didn't want to really necessarily start this way, but Morocco gets very, very hot. I mean, how would you compare the two climates of uh, Morocco and uh, Houston, Texas? Oh, wow. That's um, the difference. I am from Marrakesh and, um, you know, especially this year, Morocco have been having some heat waves. Um, you know, even as we speak right now, there's one uh, for this week. And the temperatures in, in terms of Celsius degrees in Marrakesh, for example, have reached 50 one fifty two fifty three so and it's really really hot oh my um, goodness yeah and it's hot throughout the country even the cities that are normally would be cooler during the summertime they are not now they are really hot uh, as well I would say fast as well so uh, so a lot of people are not expecting the heat uh, that they're expect experiencing this summer in Morocco especially yeah. yeah. Uh, interesting stuff. So yeah, I mean, let's let's dive straight in. So obviously, you're speaking to us from Houston, Texas, uh, which is obviously the USA. I'm sure most people will uh, will know that. <laughs> Hopefully, most people will know that. If if you didn't know that, well, you know, you've learned one more thing. Um, how much of your year then is spent living in Morocco, or do you only go there when you know you've got these tours to to perform? Well, I I'm, I was actually born and raised in Morocco. And, uh, and I moved to the States. And then with the tour company, we do go back and forth. With the pandemic, it's been kind of challenging, but I have a tour coming up in, in October and, and hopefully I'm going to be going on that tour. So whenever we have 10 people or more, I go with the tour. So uh, I host them myself, um, you know, just to make sure everything goes well and, and, and so forth. Yes. 
So I'm, I'm looking for, you know, for that one as well. It's going to be super exciting uh, come this October. Yeah. How long is that going to be then? Normally, um, for those tours, I do them no more than eight days. Mm, okay. So that's like an intense, you know, eight days. You can do a lot in eight days for sure, but that's pretty intense, right? Like, you know, let's go every day. We're going to go here. We're going to go there, right? Yes, that is correct, Nate. And the reason why eight days and we split the country into two. We do either the north side, which is the imperial cities, and the northern of Morocco, or we do the south side, which also we do eight days, and we do the Atlas Mountains, Wazaz at Eight Ben Haddu, and then we do the desert Merzouga and, uh, and and so forth. So mm. that's the best way to do Morocco because if you do it any longer than that, you're gonna really get tired because there's a lot of driving. Even the north side by itself, there's a lot of driving. The south side as well, when you're doing the tour. There's a lot of driving. So you don't want to, you know, losing a lot of time just driving versus seeing places and, and visiting places as well. Mm, mm, that's very interesting. I didn't, that's news to me. And you're from a place, uh, just to correct me if I'm wrong here, you're from Telouet, right? Which is a small village or something not far from Marrakesh? Because I think you said that's you're from correct. Marrakesh as well. Earlier. Yes, I was raised and born by my ancestors here from the small village of Telouet in the outskirts of the city called Warzazet. And a lot of people, they know Warzazet, but they specifically know Ait bin Haddu. If you know Ait bin Haddu, it's, it's, uh, it's like um, a major hub for Hollywood movies. Mm. Uh, so the, the distance between my village and Ait bin Haddu is about 45-minute drive. So that's, we are in the same you know, area, basically. So uh, just to give you an example for you know, things that have been filmed in, in Ait bin Haddu, it's... Uh, um, Game of Thrones, Gladiator, uh, so many more. It's just, it's it's incredible. I mean, dozens and dozens and dozens of movies have been filmed in Ait bin Haddu. And now, with you know, after the pandemic, uh, there's a camera crew every three weeks filming something new in Ait bin Haddu. So, Again, I mean, that's, that's news to me, uh, Azdeen. And have you ever been in a situation where, you know, you're doing the tour um, and you cross over into like a, a film set and, you, you know, you see yes. that, yeah? Yes, actually, yes. Uh, but they, they have a little area closed. So you know they are filming and, and you cannot get through. You can go, still go and see other areas, you know, on the other side. But the area where they are filming, you cannot go because they are, you know, it's just closed. Uh-huh. So they shut it down for a few weeks until they're finished and they wrap it up. So and also what is that? It's, uh, it's, it has the famous uh, Atlas Studios and they call it Hollywood of, of Africa because, uh, again, a lot of movies... Uh, are made there as well you know the mummy you know so mm. many so many movies the list is it's 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 impressive so mm. i mean it's got the backdrop hasn't it <laughs> for the mummy it's, yes. it doesn't really get much more <laughs> doesn't get much more perfect than uh than that kind of backdrop for for that kind of film but uh and telouet so um is that uh is sorry is it a village is it a city like how many people live it's, there telouet is actually a village uh, i'll just give you an idea for example, when you're driving from Marrakesh going to towards Azat, if you can just uh, picture it with me, you go through a lot of mountains, you know, um, and and so you get to an area, you're going to see the sign where it says, then you veer to the left-hand side, and you're just driving in the mountains, in, in the wilderness. Um, you actually don't see villages, but there are hundreds of villages, just they are hidden. So uh, my village is actually... Uh, Tilwat is, it's like the umbrella of all the villages. And there are probably 200 or so villages in Tilwat. So wow. mine is just one of them. Mm. And 
mine is actually one of the dead ends of the villages. So when you get to it, <laughs> that's it. There's, that's the limit, the, you know. So uh, it's it's an amazing, amazing route if if anybody gets to experience it. So a lot of people, they go through, you know, through us as that, and they go through, you know, when they're going to the desert, they pass Ait bin Hadoub, but there are so many unseen villages to them. Uh, unless you're local or that's one of your villages, you know they are there. Otherwise, you cannot really tell. Mm. Sounds pretty amazing. Two uh, hundred villages. That's. Uh, <laughs> I was not expecting it's, anything like that. I'm <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh, you know, Aid um, bin Hadou is a is a UNESCO World Heritage, and Morocco has filed a petition to make all those villages a UNESCO Heritage Site as well. So it's it's in the process. It'll probably get approved within the next few years. And, you know, you can just imagine what that's going to do to the tourism in that area. It's just, it's it's going to flourish, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing for you and your business as well, surely. Of course. Yes. Amazing. So every single one of those 200 villages are going to be World Heritage. Not, not just, you yeah. know, 70% of them, 90, like 100%, like 100% every yes. single one. Yeah, every single one, the whole area, yes. Wow, wow. And, and, and you know, obviously... <laughs> Can I ask how many of those 200 villages you've actually stepped foot in and been to yourself, approximately? Maybe? For me, I would say probably a good guess will be 20. Okay, 10% is, but, is not bad. Yeah, but if every village has its own culture. It's, um, you know, when you go, the, the life in the city and the luxury is different than when you go to the mountains. The mountains is the real thing. That's when you see the simple life of people living, you know, in my opinion, going back in time and seeing those people living yeah. their lives. It's, yeah. it's, it's an incredible experience. People with, you know, just simple things, basics. Um, and it's, it puts a little bit of perspective and, and it makes you appreciate a lot of things. So, I've said so many times on this podcast how sometimes people living this uh, simple life can, can sometimes be amongst the most happiest people around. You know, you get uh, your, obviously speaking to us from Houston, um, I'm currently in London. You know, you get a lot of materialism uh, in these places and, and so on. And, yeah, I mean, it might be a different type of comfort and what have you, but uh, not to speak for everyone, obviously, but <laughs> stress is, uh, is 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 quite a westernised thing. I mean, of course, they, they get stressed, I'm sure. But, it, yeah, I mean, all over the world, travellers will, will tell you of stories where they're meeting these people with essentially nothing, you know, the very, very, yeah. very basics. And they just seem to be smiling and laughing and, they're hospitable with what they have, even though they don't don't have a lot. They're still hospitable. It's amazing. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely, Nate. Absolutely, yeah. So, how? Uh, speaking of Houston, how? Um, I'm trying to make the connection. How did you end up there? If, if, if obviously uh, you're from uh, from Morocco, Marrakesh, and, and Telouet. You know, it's it's so funny. I I actually never thought that I would come to the state. I don't even qualify to come to the state by any measures, you know, financial or status or anything, you know. And one of my neighbors actually um, came to the States, I would say, back in, in 90. And he came back and visited his family. So I was just going to say goodbye to him. And then I was like, hey, if you want to come, I can, you know, send you the I-20 and make an arrangement. And I didn't really think much of it. And I followed up with him. And eventually, um, that's how I came to the States. And, you know, him and his family, they they actually helped me quite a bit. And it's because of them that I'm here. So it's it, it was just incredible. So That's pretty amazing. And of, of course, they were a Moroccan family, I'm, I'm assuming as yes. well. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. So they, they were they're my neighbors still back home. Yeah. And what year did that happen then, uh, Azdin? 
for me, it was it was 1995. Okay, but yeah. that's when everything happened. That's I, I I remember I went to the U.S. Embassy. It was a Thursday. It was April 13, 1995. Um, then before that, I had to to learn English and had to to take you know the TOEFL test, which is the you know English as a second or a foreign language. Mm. Um, and I studied English by myself. I had no teacher. Um, by then, um, I finished my my high school. I was going to university, but I focused mainly on, you know, just going to the U.S. So I studied English on my own. I I was studying an average of 15 hours a day hmm. um, until I took the test. A friend of mine, actually, I, I had no money, nothing. My friend has his brother in the U.S. and he was helping him with the books and everything to prepare for the TOEFL. So we both kind of studied and, and I made it and he didn't make it. And, you know, it's because of him. I mean, he gave me everything. Um, then I had membership to uh, the American Language Center in Marrakesh, and the the manager, the owner, was American. So uh, he had a really good program for English for us as students. And one of the things that I that I learned, um, you know, from him, he was to do Wednesday movies. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, he'll give us a little bit of a brief history about the movie that we're gonna see, and then how to watch a movie as foreigners as students so we could learn at that time there was no google nothing just dictionary and he was like he watched the movie with a pen and a paper if you hear something you don't understand write it down and um, the first movie i believe I, I watched was the firm and the first word that i did not understand what it was was guilty you know mm-hmm. the conversation between demi moore tom cruise and and jack nicholson so and um, by the time i went to you know Look it up in the dictionary. I realized that I learned ten more words, and that's how I start learning more and more. So, and that's how I got to learn English um, by myself. So, and I took the TOEFL and I passed it. So, well, it was an incredible experience. It's definitely yeah. worked. <laughs> so that's yes. uh, it's worth all those fifteen hours a day. That's that's a lot of hours, but it, it adds Absolutely. up and. Uh, Bit by bit, you don't notice your progress always, but um, you know, after some time, you look back and wow, you know, you're speaking the uh, the language. So when when you went to then Houston, is that where? Because I read uh, somewhere that you do the tours with your wife. Um, ha- yes. I'm going to try and pronounce this correctly. Khadia El Omari. Yes, something like <laughs> <Yes>. that. <laughs> um, and I mean, what? So did you meet her in Houston or in Morocco? How, how did that work? Actually, we met in Morocco in 2005. She's my next door neighbor. I mean, uh, I have good neighborhood, <laughs> good neighbors. <laughs> wow. I mean, yeah, that, that is when neighbors quite literally do become more than good friends, you know, uh, yes. to, to borrow something yes. from that, that old soap opera. But uh, wow, okay, that's, that's not bad at all. Yeah. The neighbor it next door. Just, yeah, if she's just, you know, you know, maybe four or five meters between our houses. And, and um, that's how we met. So. so wait a minute. But in 1995, that's when you moved to Houston. So yes. how, how did it happen that 10 years after that, what, you were going back to Morocco for, for a holiday or something? And, and that's when you met? Yes, I was just, uh, yes, I was just going, you know, summertime vacation. And um, I didn't have anything in, in, in my mind. You know, it just, it, we just met and it just, uh, we stayed in contact. That's fantastic. So, and, uh, yeah. And uh, but did you know each other before you left in 95? You'd already met once no. or twice? No, never, never. No, no. She, she actually moved to the neighborhood in 20, 2002. But I, um, I just, I knew that it's new neighbors that we have, but I didn't know nothing about them. So, and then when I went back and that's how I realized, you know, you know, that's when we, we saw each other and that's how we met. Fantastic. So. And I'm assuming she's, again, 100% Moroccan, but just moved in from another village or something? Or 
she actually uh, she was living in in a different part of Marrakesh, and um, then she moved to to our neighborhood. Um, I am, you know, we are both Berbers. Um, I'm Berber from Tlawat, and she's Berber from the outskirts of Marrakesh. Mm. So there's different types um, and clans of Berbers. So it's kind of strange, but there's there's many different types of Berbers in Morocco. A lot of people don't realize it, but it's just not one type or one language. The Berber language, there's three or four different languages that are spoken in Morocco. So, Wow. Really, really diverse country, isn't it? It's, uh, it's, it's it, quite it incredible. It is. It's it's amazing. It's it's extremely diverse, and even the landscape of Morocco is diverse. You know, forty five minute drive. You know, you're in the city, you're in the mountains, you're in the hills. You know, you're in the. It's just it's incredible. So, so nineteen ninety five, you went to Houston. Uh, Two thousand and five, you came back. I'm sure you would have been back before then, but two thousand and five, it was the summer sort of vacation, summer romance. You met Khadia. You then married and. It was in 2016, is that right, that you started the Destination Morocco that, Tour Company together? Is, yes. yes, that is correct. Um, we actually got married in 2007, then she moved to the U.S. Um, so since 2007, we moved to the U.S., she did. Um, and then we go back and forth. And, and, you know, in 2016, we created Destination Morocco. Hmm. I love the name, by the way. It's very sort of Thank clean, you. very, very clean. I like it a lot. Thank you. Um, so obviously I think the listeners now are, you know, we've, we've built to a crescendo and their appetite is probably, uh, coming, you know, more and more onto Morocco. So someone now listening to, to our discussion on this podcast, could you give us advice for, uh, you know, different, uh, demographics, you know, you obviously got the solo traveler, you've got the married couple, you've got the family with kids. Let, let's start as Dean with the solo traveler. What, what advice and what tours would be best for a solo traveler? The solo traveler, I would say the best one for them is an escorted tour, uh, which is you're traveling by yourself, but you're still part of a group um, because it doesn't matter what country you're going to be traveling into. Our perception of each country is almost the same when it comes to solo travelers or female travelers. We are a little bit afraid of the unknown. We don't want to be taken advantage of. We don't want to be scammed. We don't want to be ripped off and so forth. So the best one for a solo traveler, especially if it's your first time, do it on an escorted tour. Uh, which these, these are small group tours, like 10, 8, 12 people. And you get the best of everything. You know, you're traveling by yourself. So you have that me time, me space. And then you're part of a group in terms of protection, in terms of seeing things and in terms of, you know, having a tour guide with you and everything planned for you. So you don't have to worry about anything else. Makes sense. So for solo, tra- yeah, for solo mm. travelers, that's what I would recommend um, to do, but also do your homework. Um, you know, the company that you're traveling with, what's included, what's not included in terms of breakfast, dinner, transportation. If you come in, you know, if you're going to be arriving to Casablanca and the tour finishes in Marrakesh, for example, how are they going to take you back? Is the, tra- is the price including the, the transfer from Marrakesh to Casablanca or is it extra? So just those things, because when you're planning a trip, especially to Morocco or any foreign country, most of them, um, you have a lot to worry about. And sometimes you miss those small details. And this is one of the ones that you're probably going to miss is the cost of things. Um, is this entrance um, paid for or included in my tour, for example, to the monuments? If I'm going to Marrakesh, Fas, you know, Volibius, Meknes, or the way pay when I get to there? Because it adds up if you're not, you know, if you're not prepaid, 
if it's not included in a price, it's going to add up some, you know, a few hundred bucks or even more. Easily. So, yeah, even in eight days, yeah, absolutely. easily, yes. easily. Yes, No, that's good advice. And what about now moving on to, say, a married couple? A married couple, I would say, I still would say it, it, it really depends. There's a percentage of them, they want to have their own private tour. Mm. Um, they were just by themselves. They have their own car. They have their own driver. They have their own tour leader. And then in each major city, they have a, a local tour guide that explains everything to them. And in my opinion, if you can afford it, it's a little bit pricier than, than the escorted tour or the group tours. This is the best way to go, especially if it's, if it's a, a couple, if it's a, a, a small family of four or six, this is the best way. Mm. Also, it can happen with kids as well. Yes. Oh, definitely with kids. Mm, mm. Absolutely with kids. So, and, and also when you have kids in the equation, then it changes really the itinerary because the whole tour has to be based on the kids, what they like to do and the activities that they like to do and the places they like to go and see. Mm, mm. So it, it has to be including what the kids like. So it, it, it is going to be a strange country to them, but just ask them, what do they like? You know, just, um, you know, if it's the mountains, if it's the desert, if it's the beach, well, you can have a combination of all. And, uh, you know, though a little bit, maybe museums, you know, maybe some water parks. Mm. So, yeah. Awesome. And have you ever had a situation where you've got, say, I don't know, 10 or 20 solo travelers from all over the globe who all know each other, they're all buddies, and they basically want to do one of your tours and you take them around. So they, they kind of already know each other, but they technically are sort of solo travelers at the same time. I actually have not had that opportunity yet, okay. but we do, we do deal with similar things. Yes. Um, that's typical what we do. Um, in that case, the itinerary is set and it's agreed upon. It's, you know, you have, for example, arriving in Casablanca, then you're going to go to fast, spend two days, maybe Tangier, two days, then Shevshawin, two days, and, and just have it planned that way. Um, and again, I'll go back to don't want to do a lot of driving. Because you don't want to be jumping from one city every night and so forth because you're going to get tired. Yeah, it's it's eight days or seven days, but you're still going to get really tired. It's going to be a lot of fun, but you're going to be tired. So, And what, okay, so obviously we've pretty much covered everyone, haven't we, in, in that uh, in that little segment there. But what about the sort of, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I can say the stubborn traveler, but, you know, someone's listening to this. It could be the back, the, the, the independent backpacker and they're wanting to go to Morocco. They love everything you say, but they just want to cut their own path. They don't want to go with any tour guide. They literally just want to appear at the airport. They're willing to take the risk of getting scammed and whatever else. They just want to literally cut their own path. I mean, could you still give those people a little bit of advice somehow? Absolutely. And and the funny thing, I get a lot of uh, direct messages from those guys. Um, and I say, hey, you know, here's my cell. Um, you know, I'll give them advice. You know, and I say, hey, when you, when you get to Morocco, if you get stuck, just call me. That's nice. If you're in a situation that you feel that you're not comfortable, just call me. It doesn't matter what city it is. It doesn't matter what time it is. And, and luckily, um, they have not called me, So, which means they, they have done an amazing job. So if, if you're just going to be that backpacker, just listen to our podcast. Um, it has a lot of really good information. And, um, you know, and, and just reach out. Reach out to me. There's many ways that you can get in touch with me. My cell phone is everywhere. And, and I answer it 24-7. That's awesome. I answer my phone 24-7. So, and, and again, the goal for us, it's not for you to come with us to Morocco, but for us to give you enough information to go on your own 
plan your own trip if you can. If you want us to plan it for you, that's that's amazing. If you want to go with somebody else, that's incredible. But the goal for us is for you to go to Morocco and experience it, then hopefully come back and be on on our podcast. So awesome! Oh, so sometimes you interview people that you've had on on some of your uh... yes. Oh, fantastic! Yes. Fantastic. Oh, that's awesome. That's really, really nice. So you kind of almost stay connected and they can sort of replay their stories with you. And Absolutely. I suppose you even become, at times, you might even become friends with some of these people, right? Because you, you must click, really click with some of your guests that are coming. Uh, well, that must yeah. be quite a nice sort of perk. Yeah. Well, it's, we actually become more than friends. I mean, we stay in touch. I mean, it's, you know, uh, when you go with us, and this is kind of, you know, it's, um, you have access to at least 10 people. 10 people are caring to you, and it's just you and somebody else, maybe you and your wife, your friend, on the tour, just two people. But, you know, uh, that's how we do it. It's, you know, um, we over, you know, share everything, we over-communicate. We want to make sure that you're taken care of 24-7. You have access to everybody. You have your own dedicated manager, Sam, in Morocco. You have your own, you know, um, the, the tour leader, which takes care of everything, you know, he checks you out to the Riyadh, checks you into the Riyadh, takes care of everything. When you go shopping, he's with you. So he knows that people is not going to take advantage of you at the bazaar. You know, they are not going to overcharge you, you know, hundreds of dollars. Mm. So Mm. you're really, really protected. When you have also a tour leader and a local tour guide, you're getting the experience from a local tour guide. It's not somebody else from a different city or somebody else just read some Google or books. No, these people, they have, this is what they have studied. They, they have, you know, um, certifications for each city so that's their domain so everything you get it's 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 incredibly detailed to that local market whether it's fast whether it's volubilis shifshawan so we work with a lot of local tour guides and the tour really what makes the tour is the tour guides mm, um, mm, those mm. that make the difference you know yes you can go to morocco you can rent a car you can see everything from you know the north side to the south side but we do it a little different so that's what sets us apart. Absolutely. No, I love that. I really, really like uh, the vibe that you're giving here. And in terms of the tours that you offer, Azdin, and, and the cities, so obviously, you know, you, you mentioned some of them already, but Marrakesh, uh, Casablanca, Fez. Um, do you, like, how, how would you, sum- this is quite a broad-ranging question here, but how would you summarize the major differences and uh, specialities of of those those three, for example? Obviously, there's more places than that, but many people who know something about Morocco will know about Fez, Marrakesh and Casablanca. Yes. Well, you know, talking about different cities in Morocco, they all have different culture. They all have different vibe. It's the people from city to city are different. You think when you go to Morocco, you have visited Morocco, but in reality, you have visited maybe 15, 16 different countries. It's very diverse. It's literally like Um, that. Wow. Yes, it really, really is. Um, uh, even the guests that we have and, and that they have been on the podcast, they say the exact same thing consistently. You know, Shif Shawin is very laid back. It's very relaxed. You know, um, time goes slow. Um, Marrakesh is happening. It's very fast, very quick. Casablanca is the biggest city in Morocco. It's the hub. It's the economic hub. Fas is an imperial city. Fas is the, 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 the oldest city in Morocco. If you go into Morocco and you have one day to spend in Morocco, Fas is where you need to go. Fas mm. is where you must go. Mm. Interesting. Because I so, think a lot yeah. of people might have thought Marrakesh, right? Oh, no. no. So, so Fas, it's Fes. Fes. Okay. Yeah. Marrakesh now is very popular. 
it's because of the growth that it had experienced in the last almost two decades and mm-hmm. and and rightfully so mm-hmm. but when you go when if you're looking for originality if you're looking for the hub for the source fast is i love it uh, it still holds the tradition in most parts of fas um so and also fas in comparison to to marrakesh um fas is still kind of old school you know and and again if you don't have a tour guide i promise you you will get lost in 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 fas downtown <laughs> uh, there's there's about 11000 streets in downtown fas 11000 11000 yes. 11000 yes goodness me so this is this is the importance of having a tour guide and you know just talking you know marrakesh is different marrakesh um you still need a tour guide for sure it's not as big as fas but it's it's kind of has the it's in a transition from traditional city to kind of going towards casablanca vibe city mm. if you know what i mean yeah yeah, um, yeah so marrakesh is obviously it's just been ranked Uh, number six destination in the world, just recently, and it stays that you know always on the top top ten year after year. So it's very happening, very busy. Everybody goes to Marrakesh, and it's always packed. You know, it doesn't matter if it's summertime or you know winter. So mm-hmm. that, that's Marrakesh is happening. Marrakesh is where it's at right now. But if you want to go back to in time and see things a little slow, um, in a nice way, fast is definitely a must. Um, visit from it's it's always fast for me number one so that's good to know good to know and in terms of you mentioned the winter and the summer as well so what what sort of temperatures can one expect in the winter uh, in marrakesh uh, and, in, and the summer in marrakesh well? um the summertime it's really hot in marrakesh it's very dry i, I compare it i you know if you were to compare it i would say it's kind of uh, arizona weather uh, mm-hmm. i've been to phoenix if it's it's really really similar uh, weather to phoenix arizona um in the winter time it does it does rain a little bit but it gets really really cold very dry cold and and sometimes if you're not you know layered up a little bit you can excuse me you can get sick easily um so normally it's in i would say it's in the 10s and the 15s uh, during the winter summertime it goes to you know like this season it's it easy 55 degrees so Okay. Especially uh, July and and August, yeah. Wow. So, and and obviously we're talking about Celsius there, so that's uh Yes. <laughs> that's very hot. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, yeah, if we're talking Fahrenheit, then you're talking, me. you know, 115, 120 degrees. That's yeah. absolutely Fahrenheit. insane. Yeah. yeah, that that's not even funny. That's And I mean, yes. is there sort of air conditioning in restaurants there or only in well, some restaurants? That's a really good question. You know, it's in actually in some the fancy ones they do have air conditioning in the fancy houses now and the apartments they do have air conditioning but i'm not sure how the air conditioning is in the uk but in in the us it's centralized so in morocco is different they just have the unit you stick it to the wall and you know that's how you get your ac uh, basically what i'm saying those units are kind of you know you, you cannot have those in the us um they are not you know they are not healthy for you so um we're not at that level in morocco to have you know um those type of centralized air conditioning in houses maybe now they do maybe not but um the one that i have seen the one that i have been in they just have air conditioning uh you need to out, either outside the 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 living room or the the room or inside that's how they get their air conditioning right Awesome stuff. Yeah, wow. So it's, uh, you're quite you're painting quite the picture here of this uh well, I mean we've spoken about Fez Marrakesh. What about can you say a little something about Casablanca? 
Yes, yes. Casablanca, um, for me, when I grew up, uh, Casablanca was the place to go. And, and this is in the 80s, this is in the early 90s. Casablanca was, you know, it was the number one city in Morocco in, in, in every aspect. For me, it still is, especially the nightlife. I love the nightlife in Casablanca. Uh, you have the coast, you know, nice dinner, movie, you know, chill at the coast, walk. It's really, really nice. Then in terms of uh, the nightlife, the music, the music that it's played in Casablanca, it's probably not even played anywhere else in Morocco. Um, the, the, the diversity of the music that it's played in Casablanca, even locally from Morocco, North Africa, you know, um, you know, Middle East, Europe and so forth. So Casablanca, definitely uh, the nightlife. Yes. Fantastic. And why is that then that the, the music there is so different to everywhere else? Is, is, is it just because of the, uh, the diversity of the people that have come to live there or is there another reason? That's a really good reason. And also, just to give you a little bit of perspective, uh, not, it's not a, an exact comparison, but it's like, for example, comparing New York to, to, uh, to another city in the South, for example, you know, in terms of, you know, it's Casablanca is just a little bit ahead of the other cities. So that's what I'm trying to say. So that's why it's, it's uh, in terms of music, in terms of fashion, that's what it's happening. Casablanca is, is the hub. So really, really good to know. And you mentioned music there as Dean. So like on that point, actually, um, do any of your tours focus on, for example, the music or focus on say the food, uh, of Morocco? Oh, that's a really good question, Nate. Yes, we do. Um, in Morocco, the music is, is just, it's, it's very diverse as its scenery, as its, you know, people. And there's some, uh, festivals, some music festivals that are held in one of them, I think, or a couple of them is in Fas, and then Isawera, which is Gnawa. Then they have a jazz music festival, um, and a lot of American um, artists participate in it. And also, when we talk about music, we have to talk about Isawera, which is a small coastal city in Morocco. They call it the Windy City, uh, the equivalent of Chicago, because mm-hmm. it's really windy most of the year. And also, when you talk about the music scenery in Asawira, you cannot not mention Bob Marley because you'll find him everywhere. And you cannot not mention um, Jimi Hendrix. Mm. Uh, to them, he's a god in Asawira. I mean, oh, yeah? everywhere you go, yes. Uh, when you go to Asawira, you'll see you'll see his pictures. Everything, there's in every street. You will see Jimi Hendrix. I was not expecting that. I used to play a bit of Jimi Hendrix yes. when I was younger. Yes. That's that's awesome. Oh I, I would goodness. never have associated oh, wow. Jimi Hendrix with. Uh, um, oh yes, Morocco. Oh, oh he loved this Sawira. That's 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 what he you know he played there. Mm. He uh, you know he made some music there. He uh, yeah he loved it. Yes, yes. That's really awesome. So, so and, and all yeah. No no go 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 ahead please yeah. And then, then when you talk about the music, Casablanca is also a big hub. Um, you know, there's, if we talk about tribes in Morocco, there's the Berbers, there's the Arabs, and the Arabs, they are from different regions. You know, Casablanca, a little bit further north, a little bit further south. And also the same thing with the Berbers. Um, you know, they're in the Atlas Mountains. Uh, then, you know, the middle Atlas Mountains. Then when you go to the north side, then you have the Reef Mountains, and they speak different Berber language. Um, and they have different music and it's, it's, the music is, it's, it's incredible. Just the local music is amazing. Then when you go to the desert, 
then they have a different type of music as well, different type of dance and stuff like that. So Morocco, when it comes to music, it's very diverse. And even when you go to a club, let's say in Marrakesh, um, the music that they play is just, it's amazing. It's incredible. Really, really good to, to know because music is so, you know, when people look back at trips they've made, I think most people listening to this would agree it's always it's a very often the music that that you associate with you know it really conjures up those memories in your mind and you picture yourself walking you know by the beachfront or wherever you are and you've got the smells of you know the aroma coming in and the music and ah it's it's it makes it special so so special um and if it's got unique music to that place it stands out yes yes it does and that's that's what you take with you back when you come back home you know that's you know it's those flashbacks those memories they you know it's it's incredible and they're priceless Indeed. they're absolutely priceless yeah. because they uh <laughs> those memories never go you know um uh, i can still think yeah. of trips that i took you know over a decade two decades ago even oh, maybe wow. and I can, I can still remember well like you said flashbacks you know and it makes you yes. happy it puts a smile on your face and uh oh absolutely it does it's, it's the only thing when you think about it you know whatever you spend on on a material item going back to what we were chatting about earlier about you know the, the western world and what have you but uh you know, you might buy an item, you enjoy it, but uh, generally, as time goes on, it it depreciates both in value and maybe it gets dents on it and scratches and whatever. Yeah. But with a with a, a memory, it's almost yes. priceless. You know, you know, you, you you spend money on it. True, it's an experience. It's nothing tangible that you can feel in your hands. Yes. But as time goes on, it becomes richer. It almost goes Absolutely. up in value. You know, at least that's how I feel Absolutely. about it anyway. But. Uh, um moving on now as well to food so uh obviously yes. we've spoken about the music the food now i love i mean really i love lamb tagine and chicken oh tagine. that is basically <laughs> the only moroccan food i i i know i'm sure i've had a bit more of moroccan food but that's the oh only ones that i know well and you know I, I i've eaten them a number of times and they i mean even in my city there's a oh, Moroccan man. restaurant and the tagine is fantastic. I mean, you know, when that lamb is done and it hits and it, it, it literally melts in your mouth, it, it's yes, just insane. Yes. You're making me hungry. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. Um, the Moroccan cuisine internationally has been ranked in the top five, I would say top three, one, two, three in the last five or six years. I'm not so even it's, surprised. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's also very diverse and the tagines, um, oh my goodness! Uh, when you when I start talking about food, I kind of, you know, it's it's it's. Uh, Sorry about that. My wife, no, 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 it's my wife. Starts, she laughs at me because she listens to the episode afterwards, and she's like, "When somebody talks about food, you get so excited, it's not even funny." <laughs> so, the the food, the tagine, um, it's it's amazing. It's one of the traditional Moroccan dishes. Um, and the tagine is made, even the, when you say lamb tagine, it can be made in, in a dozen different ways. Mm. You know, from city to city, from village to village, the north side, the desert, and so forth. So, um, but the tagine is still the tagine. It's, it's, it's an amazing dish. Then the chicken, I love chicken. The chicken tagine is just, you know, incredible. The food in Morocco is very diverse. So um, when we talk about food, and then going back to your point, um, there's a, if you look at fast, for example, when it comes to food, there's some dishes that are specific to fast and they make them better than anybody else in Morocco. And then there's some dishes that are, you know, related to Marrakesh and they make them better than any other cities in, in Morocco. Mm. So, and, and also our food is originally Jewish food because our culture 
85% of it was Jewish. Mm. So it's That's new, again news it, to me. That's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, so it's if if you look at our ancestors, everybody were Jews. They were Jews. So everything we have inherited, including the food, it, you know, and you can see the culture, especially when you go to the villages, mm. to the Berbers, uh, it's an incredible scene. Um, and um, and the funny thing when sometimes I watch, you know, Jewish history and they and they talk about, you know, the, the my village or other villages that I have been, I was like, well, I mean, that's where I live. <laughs> that is, it's funny. But that is really, really interesting. I feel a bit uh, stupid because I've, I've got a uh, Jewish ancestry myself on, on, on my father's side. Um, and I didn't even know this. So oh, yeah. I, yeah. yeah, I mean, wow, I'm going to have to research this now. Um, yes. I, I, I didn't know. I mean, I guess in some ways I'm not surprised, um, given its location and obviously, you know, the yeah. Jewish diaspora, which obviously the, the Jewish yes. people ended up all over the world. And that's obviously yes. one place that they could end up at. It makes sense. Yes. It makes sense. Yes. I just didn't know about it. Yes. I mean, if, even if you look at Jewish food beside anywhere, you'll see a lot of similarities in, in terms of the preparation, in terms of how it's cooked, in terms of the ingredients. They're really, really similar. So, um, you know, when I visited Fas, um, the food in, in Fas, they eat with their eyes. Um, what I'm saying is the food, it's, you know, it's, it looks like it's, it's a, a piece of art. Oh, that's beautiful. You know? Yeah. It's it's amazing. I mean, the preparation, the presentation is incredible. The colors, In right? Marrakech, the colors must be Oh, popping. my gosh, yeah, yes. Yeah. The colors, uh, the smell, it's mm, everything. It's mm, just, it's mm. incredible. Then when you go to Marrakesh, yeah, we do have some fine restaurants and really nice hotels and riyadhs, and the food is incredible. But in Marrakesh, we are known more for street food versus any other type of food. So when you go to the square, which is Jam Elfna, and, and it, it, it is a uh, UNESCO World Heritage Site since 1987, um, you cannot beat that street food anywhere else in Morocco. Marrakesh is the place to be right now and have that street food. I mean, um, a few years ago, um, Andrew Zimmerman, when he visited, he was like, you know, just just follow your nose. If it smells good, <laughs> I swear. He said, if That's it smells good, just yeah. eat it. Yeah. So, and, uh, and the food now, it's much, much better in Marrakesh in terms of street food versus when I grew up in the 80s or the 90s. So it's... Uh, it's amazing. So then Casablanca obviously has nice bars. You know, Rick's Cafe is very popular where mm, they have filmed mm. the, the famous movie Casablanca. Mm-hmm. And then they have some other places, you know, small bars, um, really fine dining restaurants as well. So, and again, each city is different. Each city has its own vibe, has its own culture, uh, each, you know, do's and don'ts and stuff like that. So mm, but it's, it's, just, it's very, very diverse. Yeah. It's a hub of fascination. I mean, the way that you're painting it, it really is. It's, it's working up people's, it's working up my appetite, not just obviously for the food that we've <laughs> just chatted about, but I'm, I'm picturing myself walking down these little, you know, roads in Fez, you know, one of the 11,000 oh roads gosh. and I'm up here and I'm there yeah. and I'm, you know, it's just blowing my mind and I'm thinking of all the colourful dishes and the aroma yes. and the bit of the music. Oh, it's just on yeah. the sidewalk. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Um, you mentioned as well as Dean, you mentioned Riyadh. Uh, now, could yes. you explain to the listeners to the listeners exactly what those are? The Riyadhs, they are uh, the traditional uh, Moroccan houses. This is how Moroccans lived back in the 19th century and two centuries ago. They used to build these houses. They are multi floors, like two levels, three levels, um, and uh, some of the must-haves in Riyadh is in the middle. On the first floor, there's always a water fountain. Um, then it's either a palm tree, a small palm tree, or a banana tree. 
or some type of a tree inside. It's like inner garden inside the house. Then outside, there's obviously garden. Um, and it's it used to host multi-families. Like, for example, me, my cousins, my uncles. So two or three families will live in one Riyadh. Mm. Um, and um, it, it's just, it's really, really nice, very different uh, place to stay. Uh, for me, if it's a, a small, you know, group, for example, six up to eight, I would recommend the Riyadh for them. Um, if not, if it's a big group, I would say the, the hotels. The reason is because the Riyadhs, they don't have a lot of rooms. So if it's a big group, they may not have availability for all the group. So and that's the advantage of traveling again, like you said earlier, with, you know, with your spouse or with a friend or a family. It's easier to be accommodated in a Riyadh versus when you have a large group, for example. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And architecturally speaking, like, is there anything that makes these Riyadh special? Oh, absolutely. Um, I'll give you an example. Mm, um, do, I, yeah. was, I was in Fez. Um, I was doing a, a Jewish quarter visit. And then, um, you know, you go, the first you start by the, the King's Palace, which is just, it's a marvelous place. And then you go through the market, through the jewelry place. Then you go, you know, into the narrow streets where the Jewish people used to live before migrating back in the, in the 60s to Israel. Uh, they still have their houses they don't sell their uh, property, by the way. So, um, so they, you know, their neighbors are, you know, just maintaining the, the the properties for them. So, and I remember going to one Riyadh. From the outside, it looks like it's it's a, it's a wall that it's about to fall down, mm. and it's you know nothing magical, nothing surprising about mm. it, just plain. Uh, and then, you know, my my tour guide knocks on the door and he asks the lady, "Hey, you know, I have a guest," and, and I go inside, and it was just. I, I felt I was in heaven. I mean, it was just, <laughs> I mean, for me, um, visually mind-blowing. I just could not believe the difference that wall makes. Mm-hmm. Just a plain, almost run-down wall with no windows, nothing. And then when you go inside, it's just like a Garden of Eve. It, it just, you know, the water fountain, the plants, mm. uh, they have some some fish, you know, swimming and I just looked at the first floor, second, third, and fourth, and I just it, it was just that's one of the amazing experiences for me. Mm. Um, so that's the reason why I say fast. And then I asked my tour guide and said, "Hey, how come and why is this this way versus?" And he was like, "Well, back in the day, this is a century or so ago when these riyads or houses are built, uh, the Jewish people lived here, and they don't like to show off what they have." Mm, so, interesting. you know, they, yeah. So, you know, the, the wife will be inside the house, the, the kids will be inside the house, but it, it's kind of a protection in a way. So they want to give their family, their house, uh, their wives, everything. Mm. So that's why they build those houses. When you look at it, it's, it's more of a palace than a Riyadh or a hotel or a house. I mean, it's just mind blowing for me. And that's, that experience will stay with me for the rest of my life. I can still imagine it. I can still see you know, the, the, the mosaics colors, the white, the green, yeah. the blue, the light, the blue, the yellow. I, I, it's, it's like I'm looking at it right now. It's just unbelievable. That's something that I did not expect, especially walking through that neighborhood. Mm. It just looks like it's a rundown neighborhood, nothing to see. But then when you knock on that door, it's opened, boom. Amazing. The biggest surprise, incredible. And the next house next to it is the same. So that's, that's how the whole neighborhood is. And now those 
um, they have them as riyas, they have them as restaurants where you can go and eat. I mean, it's just, it's amazing, amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. Mate. I'm sure a lot of the women and the wives listening to this are, be- <laughs> are going to be getting some ideas now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, hey, listen to this podcast. Yeah, you need to get me yeah. a Riyadh. Uh, you know, I'm not asking for much, but uh, yeah, it sounds. <laughs> and you mentioned you mentioned those water fountains as well. So yes. what, you, because the first floor, second floor. So, I mean, where does the water fountain, what, it runs through the house or something? I mean, how does that work? Actually, the water fountain, if you if you have seen inside a mosque, you'll see water fountain. Mm. It, it looks not as big, but it's as similar. Uh, the water does not float on the floor. It's just that specific area, you know, mm. maybe a meter and a half by a meter and a half. Mm. But it's just, that's, it's symbolic. You know, water is, is, you know, it's life. So, and it's soothing just to have that, you know, water running through the house 24 mm. seven, mm. you know, it's, it helps relaxes you. So it's a, it's a really neat experience. Oh, so. goodness me. I can't wait to go. <laughs> it's just everything. <laughs> uh, oh, goodness me. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I thought, man, it's, it's getting better and better. You know, you've got the food, you've got the music, you've got all of these 200 uh, little villages. It's just so many things that you've painted us a beautiful picture. And then as if that wasn't enough, you give us, you hit Thank us with you. the Riyads and it's just, wow, mind blowing. Yeah. What about people uh, who are listening and they think, I, I love the sound of everything as Dean is saying, but you know what? I want to do my own thing. I want to do something with him, but I want to, I want to customize my own, you know, maybe these people that obviously everyone's got Google, they sit there for days and days. They, they, maybe they've got uh, Moroccan friends who have told them about certain things and they come to you through your website. They drop you an email or whatever, or that maybe they hear this podcast and then they email you. They're like, as Dean, uh, you know, a group of 10 of us want to come. We want to do X, Y, Z, you know, and this, this and that. Can you customize a tour for us? I mean, do you, do you offer that? Oh, that's what we do. Absolutely, 100%. And I'll give you the, how the process works. Normally, everything you said, that's exactly how it works. We get the email. We get the, the you know, either Instagram or, um, you know, Facebook. We get a message. And I have this and this. 99% of the itineraries we do are personalized. Mm. Because um, people, when they are traveling, they want to be involved in the planning of that trip, because I can say, Hey, you know, this is the itinerary and, and take it. No, they, we build the itinerary that they want exactly. So they are emotionally attached to that itinerary. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. get emotionally attached to the itinerary as well. Mm-hmm. And this is how the process works. When I get an itinerary or an inquiry and I, you know, we make a phone call and I ask all the questions and I answer all the questions that they might have. Then I submit it to my team in Morocco. They work on it. They put it together. They, then it comes to me. So, and this is kind of sound weird, but this is how my process is. I look at the itinerary and I think of the person traveling or the people traveling and I try to make a connection. Mm. So if they say Marrakesh, yeah, Marrakesh, there's a thousand things you can do in Marrakesh, but, you know, thousand things is for thousand people. So Mm. I want to do one thing for that one person. So I have to find the right fit. Mm. So I go by, you know, city to city, day by day. And I start building the, you know, itinerary in terms of the content and adding a little bit more to it. Then add pictures of that city they're going to see, then add video. So when the itinerary is complete, it's it's a really, really impressive itinerary. It's going to be different than anything that you have seen. So, and it's customized to you, to nobody else. So, and that, it has everything you need. That so. is really, really, really nice. And have you have you ever had one of these customized itineraries that have literally worked so well 
that you, you know, because obviously there's no harm in just offering that. I know, obviously, it's not a one-size-fits-all approach, but if it is just so nice, is there anything stopping you from, again, saying, hey, this was a customised itinerary, it went down really well, take a look. Does it look nice? Do you yeah, want to change I, any of it? You know, I actually do, and I do it not in terms of selling it or presenting it to the new clients for it to become theirs, but I, I do it in, just to give them an idea, an idea how, how an itinerary would look like. For example, the flow you know, for the, the tour, day one, day two, day three, and, and, and the activities and so forth. So for example, and there's no identical itineraries for each client. They are all different. Um, but we want to give them just a highlight of how things are going to be. So, and I always ask them how many days they want to spend in, especially in FAS, you know, if they want to include Tangier and Shifshawan, obviously Marrakesh, if they want to go to Wissawar and stuff like that. So, and that's where we start building the itinerary. Uh, from scratch every time well as dean it's been honestly <laughs> it's been absolutely amazing <laughs> you've you've really whetted uh, our appetite for for all things morocco and uh yeah i mean do you know what i, I would genuinely genuinely love to come myself um i'm, I'm gonna obviously my friends will listen to this who knows if i can get a small group together i might even be uh <laughs> i'll be your client one day that would be amazing um where can where can people obviously find you so you've got obviously the destination morocco website the podcast. Yes. So could you remind us of the names? Obviously, I'll leave it in the show notes as well so that people yes. can, uh, can the, link the, it and, and find the you. The best way the, for the podcast, we have the website, which is destinationmoroccopodcast.com. And if there's a tour that I'm selling, uh, it's a special tour that I'm going to be hosting myself. And it's a, it's a small group. We have 12 uh, spaces for a small group. Uh, spaces really selling out quick. And it's going to be from October 17th through October 22nd of 2022. And this is just the north side of Morocco. Mm. And again, it's just eight days, but it's everything we talked about right today, Nate, is included. You know, dinner is included. Breakfast is included. We're going to have a photographer with us, videographer, oh, wow. you know, that documents everything. Oh, so we wow. have paparazzi with us. So, and then we do free stuff. There's a lot of free giveaways that we do to the, to the client because we want to show them just like you talked about earlier, the hospitality of the villages, the hospitality of the Berbers, of the people, of us Moroccans. And that's who we are. We don't do these things uh, just to, you know, to entice you or just to show off. No, that's our culture. That's how we mm. do. Mm. So, and, and even when you go to, to a village, you will experience it yourself. When you go, you know, the backpacker, and it's funny, uh, just thought of a few stories. Um, we have a backpacker. This is, uh, I think it was, 91, 92, mm. and, uh, and he twisted his ankle. Um, I mean, our village is the dead, the dead end of all villages. So he twisted his ankle, and, and basically uh, one of the villagers found him. So he brought him to the village, and he stayed with us for two weeks until he <laughs> wow. healed. And, uh, and he went to a healer. Yeah, a healer fixed his ankle, and he got used to the people. People got used to him. And it was, it was sad scene to see him go and say goodbye to everybody, mm. you know? So that's that's the type of culture we have in the mountains with the Berbers. Amazing. So it's uh, and and I can't wait to have you or you and your friend or your group. Um, so it's um, you know the groups that we do they're they're very very different than everybody else. Mm. So and become friends for life almost. It's a, it's a beautiful absolutely, thing. absolutely. And yeah. connect to the villages and and I'm sure you have many people who return and and they remember them right. They're like oh we've seen this oh, guy oh, this guy oh, before. Yes. Yeah, oh yeah. yes. Oh yes. Oh definitely. Yeah. Oh yeah. it's amazing. As Dean I'm. 
honestly thank you so much it's been honestly amazing and you've really emotionally connected with us and and the listeners are going to love it so uh, yeah i wish your business to all, all the success uh, and i'm sure it'll continue, it will continue to to grow as well thank you absolutely thank you so much and i'm very very grateful for the opportunity Nate. no problem at all well my thank guest today so was Astine from destination morocco tours If you'd like to give Morocco a visit or know anyone who wants to, please do check out the website, which, as Dean mentioned, I'm going to leave all of his information about his podcast, uh, the, the tours, the website, all in the show notes so you can find it. And I would urge you, I don't even think I need to urge you, just contact him. If you want to go, you're going to have an absolute blast. I think I'm going to do it myself as well. Well, if you've enjoyed today's episode, please do share it with a family member or friend who you think would get something out of it. And if you haven't already, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It would really, really help. Uh, and don't forget to follow and hit the bell notification there if you haven't done so already. My name is Nate Ralph, and you've been listening to The Inquisitive Tourist.